today's pod, Marina and Valeria are back to talk about men's mental health. They facilitated a candid discussion with their peers on vulnerability, reaching out, coping methods, and much more. I'd like to add a disclaimer and a content warning before listening, since they touch on the topic of suicide. So if this is a difficult subject for you, it may be best to skip this certain podcast. Also, a quick reminder that there are mental health resources in the description, and also always reach out to your loved ones for help if needed. On that note, please lean in and enjoy this conversation with Marina and Valeria. Hey guys, so before we jump into this podcast, I want to do a quick rundown for the listeners. In this pod, we wanted to look at mental health from a different perspective than the one that me and Marina have, uh, that specifically of our male peers. We think that mental health is a very important topic, and it's something that everyone struggles with as a normal part of living. Despite this, there's a lot of stigma that surrounds the topic, stemming from socioeconomic positions, culture, and a simple, very human fear of being vulnerable or uncomfortable. We found that very often men aren't included in mental health discussions as a result of many complex societal factors. In response to this, we wanted to create a space to have this candid conversation today and raise some awareness about it. Um, So today, me and Valeria, my co-host, have our friends uh, Jay and Sam on the podcast. And would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself, Sam? Uh, Hi, guys. I'm Sam. I'm going into my third year of uh, undergraduate in biology. And right now I'm working at one of the labs in Ryerson studying cannabis seed interactions and germination. Very cool. I love that. Uh, Jay, do you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. So my name's Jay, going into my third year of mechanical engineering at York U. And I don't have a cool job, but (laughs) but yeah, nice to be on here. Okay, great. Uh, We're just going to jump right into it. So first things first, what me and Marina were talking a lot about were that We find that there's a lot of barriers in accessing mental health, whether that be for societal or practical reasons. Do you think either of you have ever experienced any of those barriers or have witnessed those in your experience? Like of how those might differ from men, like to reach out for help. You could start with Jay. All right. I wouldn't say necessarily that it's more of an outward barrier i don't know how to put this like in the most eloquent way but i would say a lot of the barrier that's put up is almost internalized Mm. because um for example like during my second year i i fully had like a whole ass breakdown because i was i burnt out and it was super bad and like it didn't even occur to me that i should even seek help Mm -hmm. um, because it's so it's so sort of i don't know just ingrained or I guess it was ingrained in my in my head that it was like, okay, this is just fine. This is just how I'm supposed to deal with things is I'm supposed to be tough and just get through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think a lot of the barriers aren't even like, like it wasn't like anybody stopped me from, mm-hmm. or any structure stopped me from it. It was more just the views regarding it, or I guess how we deal with men's mental health at least made it that I didn't even consider it an option in the first place right? and that's that's something that valerian have talked a lot about through our podcast with regards mm-hmm. to sort of internalized stigma and how like 
we've been socialized to almost, yeah, like you said, give yourself a barrier and how we talked about in a podcast before this about how we stood in our own way of getting academic accommodation based off of our own like stigma of our being sort of stereotyping ourselves as not as being weak in some way or whatever that is. And it's, and it's interesting because we, we don't think that way about other people, but we're our own worst critic. So that's also a factor. Um, mm. Sam, I'm wondering what you have to say on that. Uh, I think I agree completely with Jay. I think most of the barriers like I've experienced or observed from like other friends is just being like, it's really hard to bring it up or just address that you even have an issue. Like you try to just, I don't know, pretend that you don't have an issue or just push through it, mm-hmm. which is kind of exactly the opposite of what you should do is, I don't know. I think it's really hard for guys to admit that there's something they need help with, especially if it's something to do with like mental health or emotional issues. So. Mm-hmm. And that's actually shown statistically too. Marina did some lovely research about the topic beforehand because we wanted to be more educated because obviously we are not men, right? Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> she brought up this study that men tend to actually seek help at later stages than women do. And for large surveys in the U.S., women reported higher levels of distress than did men and were more likely to perceive having an emotional problem than men who had a similar level of symptoms. Once men recognized they had a problem, they were as likely to use mental health services. So it's like you can have the same symptoms, but women are more likely to based on this study, uh, on these studies in the US, women are more likely to perceive that they have a problem, that they're experiencing distress and emotional pain. And that sort of like shows how much we've failed men on the level of like education and like socialization that it gets to the point that you don't even know you're struggling really. It's like that repressed to an extent. Absolutely. Like I 100% agree with that. It was that was exactly the situation that like at least I went through. I was just I I I don't think I'm even that stressed. I'm doing fine, right? Like it's not an issue. This is just like normal and this is how I should be dealing with the like pressure that I'm put under. And it got to the point where like my physical health started being affected mm-hmm. and it was other people that had to tell me like yeah, you're stressed and you need to like take a break and you need to talk to people and you need to like fix this situation because this isn't normal, which I think is a huge problem. It's like, I don't know, like the lack of um, being able, I don't even know, like There's actually like like a word for this. Oh, there's two words. Yeah, one is emotional literacy. It's like how much we're educated or know how to get in touch with our own feelings and like understand and perceive those things, but then also how to communicate those things. I feel like that's like a massive component that is from early days in your life not taught the same way to men and women, right? And like the problem starts there. Absolutely. Like I would say it's even to the point where like a lack of emotional uh, literacy or intelligence is like encouraged in in men, you know? Mm -hmm. Like even from an early age, it's almost like, I don't know, it's to put it very blatantly, it's like, don't cry, be a man. You know what I mean? Like, which is- so bad. <laughs> so, so bad. Yeah. It's so quite harmful. Yeah. Like nobody can really debate that, that completely 
invalidating someone in what they feel is going to be good for them because all it's going to do is cause repression and then cause somatization, which is when the physical, like mental issues will manifest Manifest. themselves physically. Because I think what a lot of people forget is that mental health is completely physical. Your brain has neurotransmitters that affect the rest of your body, your cortisol levels, your hormone levels. This all affects your mood and not only your mood, but your bodily functions, right? So it's stupid to think that you could separate that you know, <laughs> and it's it just um it leads to an interesting problem that we were actually when we did some research that we learned about this idea of somatization actually masks a lot of men's mental health issues because what will happen is that there's like almost a level of repression that will lead to those mental health issues like depression manifesting themselves mostly in like a physical way where where certain migraines, back pain, irritable bowel syndrome actually roots from depression. And so it, it almost masks like the cause, the root cause of these physical issues is masked, right? So obviously avoid, avoiding it and repressing it doesn't make it go away. But yeah, I was interested in what you think about that, Sam. Just a couple of thoughts on that is like, I think all men seem to try to avoid it, but often when you start bringing up conversations like this, it lets, it kind of like lets a floodgate out almost. Yeah. Like my, I have a story from like my one buddy uh, was having like crazy panic attacks and stuff. And he went to go to see the doctor and they, like basically a lot of their advice was like just to talk with people about it. And I think like he, for him it was a really big step, but he just started talking like with the guys he works with and at first it was sort of like awkward but then as like he brought it up just like guys he'd never really talked to before would just come up and just like tell them that they're feeling the same way and like like a positive feedback loop Mm. started out slow but it seemed everybody started discussing and like talking about maybe why they're experiencing anxiety at work or like can't sleep or like are like freaking out about nothing Mm -hmm. or stressed out over nothing Mm-hmm. like discussing maybe it's normal and like I don't know it was just it's an interesting thing that it seems to be a lot of it is just nobody really discusses it and yeah like, yeah and once yeah. you start to talk about it I feel like this is also something we like me and Valeria talked about in another podcast about the way that we try to encourage breaking stigma about mental health issues is like, I'm very open about the struggles I go through. And I find that that vulnerability helps other people be vulnerable. So it's like you were saying with the positive feedback loop, it's like almost like dominoes. Like if one person starts talking about it, then might someone else might feel comfortable enough to also admit they feel the same way. And then that makes people feel less alone and it sort of breaks that stigma. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a lot like that. Like, even just talking with my friends, like, if you, you're trying to see how they're doing, often, like, telling them your struggles or, like, the things you're dealing with right now will help them feel more comfortable bringing up what's going on in their life and just helping all of us feel better, maybe mm-hmm. get stuff off our chest that we need to discuss. And like, mm-hmm. Definitely. I think that's lovely. Um, it's, like, really nice that that situation ended up like that and ended 
so positively and that you were able to build that trust with your other friends. And one other question that we actually wanted to ask was whether you find it very difficult to be vulnerable because a lot of these discussions don't happen in the first place because people are afraid to be vulnerable because they don't want to show the ugly parts of themselves or things of that nature, right? And vulnerability can be a little bit more difficult for men because I've seen it all my life that it's kind of conditioned into them that they should not be that way. Well, like I feel like the entire conception of masculinity in our society is in direct opposition to vulnerability and weakness and things that are perceived that way are unmasculine or emasculating. And I feel like that's like a massive issue. So I wonder how you've grappled with that kind of conceptualization of like masculinity and in, in terms of vulnerability and like how that's affected you. So dealing with it at least initially, I'd just like to say like, I like genuinely still find it very difficult to like open up to people like genuinely. And like, like it's to the point where like, even with the closest people in my life, the people that I consider like my, my people, like my person, yeah. And and I like I have trouble like expressing stuff to her, even though it's like this is the one person that I should be able to talk to and stuff, right? It's like you should be able to feel free with that person. And it, I, I like I still have like I'm still trying to work on it. I'm still trying to like be able to speak like freely and and stuff like that. In terms of coping with it, like I I honestly like I'm I'm lucky I have like a great support system that's like trying to help me work through it. Um I just know that it's very usual for guys to not have that healthy of a support system that encourages that much like open conversation. It's almost to the point where like like you want to talk about stuff but you don't know how to start talking about that stuff because you've been shielded from it like your whole life. Mm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's almost it's it's just like I don't even know how I would start. Yeah, how do you start ex- expressing the things that I am feeling? I just don't I don't know what I would say. Like that's still a problem that I get. Like even these days, I'm still like I don't know how to say words and and relate them to emotions. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I've never I've never mm-hmm. done it before. I don't know what to do here. Yeah, I mean we're all a work in progress, right? You're never gonna absolutely be a perfect person <laughs> and there's something that we'll all always deal with, right? But I think just the fact that you're acknowledging it is going in such a good direction because if you don't, because some people won't even acknowledge that in the first place if they do have issues with vulnerability. I commend you for being able to acknowledge that. I wanted to hear what Sam had to say on the topic as well. I think like Jay, I definitely have big issues with being vulnerable with people. And I think the bit of masculinity and like, it's honestly a lot of emotions and stuff is just, I just try to avoid it, you know? And I think friends like opening up and kind of just showing me that it's okay to open up has really helped. Like coming on this podcast is pretty terrifying. Yeah. You know? like, Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, I, again, like I commend you for it because it's not easy at all. Yeah, I think I don't know if 
maybe a different friend that wasn't Marina, like somebody that's not I'm not as close with, I might not have come on, you know? Mm. But I like absolutely agree. <laughs> like it was like if it was just someone that had asked me and not Val, I would have been like, no, nope, I'm not I'm not really down to do that. Like I was even apprehensive, like even getting into this like five minutes before before we even started getting on the call. Yeah, and yeah. you seem nervous when I first asked you about it too. Honestly. I'm always nervous. <laughs> and this is a conversation about a convert. Like this is we're talking about how hard it is to to talk about these things, and it's hard to talk about how hard it is to talk about these things. Love how meta like, that is. <laughs> levels. <laughs> levels. Yeah. It's, it's meta how how difficult it's become to uh to discuss this stuff. It's broken the fourth wall already. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. I'm on this topic, I wonder, like, how, if you're able to, like, recognize how you might have been taught to deal with your emotions growing up and handle them usually, like, you know, Jay, you were talking about how clearly there's, like, some, I guess we can call it emotional literacy missing in terms of, like, the ability to identify what you're feeling and connect it to expressing words. it somehow, words, and, like, like, even identifying an emotion, like, differentiating between am I angry or am I mad? Am I disappointed? Like, like there's so much learning that comes into that and like, you don't even know where to begin. So how do you think you were taught to deal with your emotions growing up or how did you generally speaking? Who's going first on this one? You can, you can start on it if you want. <laughs> so for me, I would say um, it was kind of masked in the idea of more like, to some degree, it was like kind of like academic pressure almost. With my parents, uh, it was it was more along the lines of like, you have to be perfect, and it was more like that that kind of masked it into into being like, you're not supposed to be the one that complains. You're supposed to be the one that helps always, you know, and mm -hmm. and and like I I still think I like sort of carry that in my head, which is not the best way to think about life, but it's sort of like that's how I was raised almost like the the perfection from academia or like having to like be good at everything you do like we're going to sign you up for this class and you have to be good at it or we're going to be disappointed yeah. and you're not allowed to complain about it because you're supposed to be the best at it and you're supposed to help other people that are complaining about it you're not supposed to complain yourself mm. you know and I say complain but I mean just like even communicate emotions right mm, yeah. um so I feel like that's how it was kind of ingrained in my in my head. Even even to this day, I'm still like I I shouldn't complain. People have it worse than me. I don't I don't have any rights to complain. Which is like you you always do. Like everyone can go through. Everyone's all, feelings right? are valid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like everyone's feelings are valid, but it's sort of like I don't know why, but in my head, it's like no, no, everyone except you. Yeah, <laughs> your head is like everybody should love themselves. Everyone's feelings are valid. They should except, accept themselves. And like except, your brain is like, accept you. Except yeah, you. But, but, yeah. So, uh, so I guess that's that's um, that's the one. That's like how it was taught for me. I guess. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I find that with a lot of mental health stuff, just in general, like even like low self confidence or like negative self talk. There's a lot of ways in which we talk to ourselves and think about ourselves that we would never feel or think about other people so like there's always a like a not double standard but like it, it sort of like doesn't compute um yeah I'm, I'm interested sam as to how you 
think you were taught to deal with your emotions growing up or how you did deal with them, generally speaking? I think of, as far as like being taught how to deal with my emotions, I can't really think of ever being like actually taught. Mm. I think just sort of, it's like maybe like seeing how other people react to how I deal with my emotions is how I dealt with it. And then, right. cause I don't know, never, nobody ever would really tell you like, oh, you shouldn't do this when you're angry or like, you should do this. Like learning like from trial and conditioning through like how other people reacted to you. Yeah, and seeing how like other people react to other people mm -hmm. are going through things. Yeah. And I think Definitely. Jay touched on a really important point the like comparing with other people. Like other people have it worse. Mm. I think that as far as like pretty much any issue men face, they there's a lot of comparing. Like even an injury or something like mm -hmm. there's a lot of like if you get cut like a lot of people would be like ah that's nothing but it's like everyone's pain and everyone's emotions are unique to them and you can't can't quantify things that way yeah you can't tell other people how they should feel about something yeah if yeah. emotions even were quantifiable in the first place yeah <laughs> And pain as well, which is very uh, subjective and like varies person to person. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. Jay, did you want to say something? I saw you turn your microphone on and then off. Oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. One uh, thing you want to like coping mechanisms and like, yes, like um, things that you do in your daily life. To help you cope whether that's with like stress or sadness or like anger like what has helped you um school. in general <laughs> yeah all these things like pressure you put on yourself all that kind of stuff you start with jay again okay so mine's like i don't know it's kind of like offbeat i guess or maybe it's not maybe other people do this too but um like around the time that i started getting like super like burnt out with like school and stuff last year uh one of my one of my like best friends was like you need to you need to dedicate one day of the week where it's like just you mm. like there's no distractions there's no work it's just like you hang out and you do whatever you want to do with no pressure of any responsibilities or like anything like that like i don't know that's been helping a lot for me and and i do this thing called treat yourself tuesday where i get myself a treat every tuesday um like a dessert or something just every tuesday it's just a thing and it's now tradition that i have to get something for myself every tuesday and that's like one of my things but i guess these are these are very like superficial coping mechanisms well they're not uh, superficial because i think what you're doing when you're treating yourself to something is you're saying i deserve like a, a like something good i don't know you're like allowing yourself to experience something positive and also giving yourself a day of a break is saying is like checking in with your needs and like what do i want to do and like what makes me happy so i, I feel like that's not superficial at all that's like really cool coping yeah. mechanism <laughs> i think uh, they're quite good methods of self-care like, yeah self-care exactly you're yeah. making time yeah. for yourself like like yeah. that's so important in addition to that i guess i'm just like i'm still slowly working on uh on just trying to to be more communicative and like 
I've tried writing my feelings out. It's mm. not worked great because I, I just get super in my head about it. I'm just like, mm. I, do I speak like this? Is this what <laughs> my thoughts are? This is strange. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you read read it back, and you're like, uh, like I, I yeah, kind of yeah, agree. Exactly. This is, is kind of cringe-inducing, yeah. but yeah, it helps, like, so I do it anyways. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like trying to work on that. Um, apart from that, I think a lot of my coping has just been like self-care where it's just like more reactive than uh and trying to turn it into a more proactive thing where i'm just like if i take care of myself outwardly then it will prevent an inward collapse if that mm -hmm. makes sense mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like yeah, that's make saying in, in touch with like okay how like i don't know i i get that feeling of like okay if i'm if i take care of myself before the fact and i know how much i can take on and stuff like and sort of measure it out and balance my life out then i know that i won't crash kind of thing too so knowing you're like yes. limit. yeah absolutely like that's exactly what it is yeah yeah, but yeah. With, um, regards to like things that you think in your daily life like help you cope with stress and anger and like sadness and stuff uh well i was doing i like tried to do a little research so i wouldn't know but like i was reading about like thrill seeking is a really common thing for men to do. Mm. And I think I do that a lot. I don't know, just like all my hobbies and activities are like, I don't know, like I skateboard a lot and that hurts often. Like, <laughs> it just like puts you in like sketchy places and like doing dangerous things sort of, I don't know, some of like, I don't want to be like in the happiest moments in my life, but like it feels pretty incredible when you can do something scary and like come out okay at the end. Yeah. But I think that's like a big way. But then like uh, another thing I do, I think is like if I'm like not doing so well, I'll like force myself to do more. I often feel like I need stress to function properly. Like I need to be. Oh, I feel that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I feel like in school, like, I'm functioning the best when I have, like, an impossible amount of work to do. <laughs> if I just have a couple things to do, I probably won't do any of them. But if I have, like, too many things to do in a day, I'll probably, like, just stay up and get them all done. Which I don't know. And I feel, like, better about myself doing that. I totally get that with like, I'm almost addicted to my stress. Like if I'm not stressed for a while, I'll kind of get depressed. Cause I'm like, what's my purpose? I have nothing to like freak out about. <laughs> and then I'll freak out about little things instead. But yeah, like <laughs> keeping yourself occupied definitely helps having projects you're working on and stuff so that you're like, I don't know if you're the kind of person who's like restless and needs to be doing things a lot, you know? Yeah. I Actually, I, I really relate to you on that because I feel like I have to be stressed to be productive or else then I'll just kind of sit around and then I feel like a bum. But I found that there's like, I kind of disagree with you, honestly. I found that there's like a lot of good value and kind of just like forcing myself to slow down or just sitting, doing that whole like me and Marina talked about in another in another podcast, but I've been like doing yoga and meditating and stuff. And it's all really nice because it kind of, forced me to like actually be present live life currently instead of in my head and yeah where am i going with this 
Well, oh just God. like there's different approaches to like how you deal with your own different life. approaches. Yeah, de and definitely. I'm not saying he's wrong because like what works for me isn't going to work for another person. But I found that being able to stay, take a step back from the stress that you feel like always has to be driving you really helps because it helps you find like, like a moment of calmness and then you kind of can recharge and jump back into it because obviously in a program like all of ours, we're going to be under stress a lot of the time just because of the workload. And that's one of the questions we wanted to ask is how do you deal with the large workload that comes with our programs? I, Jay is in mechanical engineering. So uh, like, I'm like, it's just scared of that. <laughs> like, honestly, it scares me. <laughs> no, um, I don't know, like workload wise. Uh, I, I, I just kind of, it's the same coping mechanisms almost. It's just making sure I'm taking the right breaks and stuff. I have like a lot of my friends to hold me accountable, um, which I think helps a lot. It's just sort of like, you should be on break right now. We had we had a thing planned for while you're on break, so you should be on break right now. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I made the commitment. I can't like not hang out with this person, which like forces me to slow down and stuff like that other ways of dealing with stress i don't know like the saturday thing that's that helps with stress in in the academic sense as well um i but, remember uh, you didn't do it during exams though oh yeah no i didn't do it <laughs> during exams i had to shut that down during exams because exams are super Rough. heavy exams are worth the majority of my grade so yeah. i was like okay i'm not i'm gonna sacrifice my mental health for this now um, yeah, and then it gets bad yeah how do you know. deal with the whole self-worth thing? Like self in regards, kind of self-worth, like in attaching self-worth to grades, because I know that a lot of science students, like almost everyone I've come across, like attaches some sort of self-worth. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. um, school, right? So like at the, at the risk of sounding like braggy almost, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging about it, but uh, <laughs> I, I am, I, I like received a scholarship at the start of like last year you have to maintain like a, a relatively high GPA to to keep it. And you have to like, you have to like take part in the community and like show that you're actually like active in the community and stuff like that. And uh, I think a lot of my, uh, of my self-worth has now been pushed onto that. It's sort of like, like if I don't have that scholarship, then am I even like, like what am I worth? You know, it's just like, what's the point if I lose the scholarship, it's mm -hmm. to the point where I've like said those literal words where I'm just like, what's the point of like having fun or doing this or doing that? If I just like lose the scholarship, like what's, what's going on? Like, I can't, I can't do that. Mm. Right. So that I think has also made it like push forward to the grades where it's to the point where I'm like, if I don't get good grades, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not really, uh, I'm not really a good person. Am I? Because I'm, I'm here off, like, my parents have sent me here, and they're, like, paying for my education and stuff. And I'm just like, if I am not doing excellently, am I, am I just, like, a waste of money? Is that what I am? I or feel am I the same way. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess and that's that's my answer to it. <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> Sam, would you like to add anything? Uh, I think I feel the same way like all or nothing, like I just want to do perfect. Mm. And like, if I don't get as close as I can to it, it's like, I'm just not happy. 
I get like really angry with myself and my performance, you know? Mm -hmm. It can Not make you be really hard on yourself and yeah. like just negative self-talk, all that stuff. And then yeah. it's, not, it's not the most fun. Yeah, and I'm by no means like never got a perfect grade in my life. So that's like a little bit tough to always be like beating yourself up when it's like perfection is pretty much impossible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's also, it's also, it, it gets frustrating because like you fail to acknowledge like how well you're doing because you, I don't know, like on top of whatever else you're, you're always looking at the amount that you missed by or that you didn't achieve instead of looking at how much you did achieve. And I just feel like it sucks that we, um, like, I'm sure all of us here are good students and like, we've done a really good job and we should really be like proud of ourselves. But I feel like we're always- Maybe you should. <laughs> no, I mean, but everyone feels that way, right? Like, it's just about- Again, like, everybody except me. <laughs> yeah, except everyone <laughs> except me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, that's why that's the thing I do with my friends. Where like instead of you know necessarily sharing like a specific mark, I ask them if they're happy with their own mark because it only really matters like how you feel about how you did. Because sometimes a person can even get a perfect grade and still be like, well, that's just that course. I sucked in this other course, and you know you can always twist things in your own head. That's literally me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you mentioned it. Kind of like keeps you from seeing how far you have advanced. Because if I think of myself two years ago, I didn't have most of the knowledge that I have now. And yeah. I just like put that into my head. I did that. Yeah. But like I never give myself credit for it. I'm always thinking like, oh, like I got I got a 75 instead of an 80. Like I'm worth it. like not really, but you get what I mean. It's yeah, yeah. Hilarious. Well, like the negativity bias. <laughs> That's like the negativity bias. Like we focus on negative things instead of positive things. And then over time, life feels darker because you haven't acknowledged all the good things that have like happened or passed you by. And yeah, I feel like I feel like that's something that I wish we would all just like put more effort. In. It's difficult, but to like try and acknowledge the positive things going on too, you know? Yeah, it's easy to say, hard to do. I would yeah. also like like to add on to that like to the point where like even spe like specifying to like i guess maybe it's not like a like all all men that experience this but at least i did where it was to the point where like celebrating successes is uh it's never earned you know what i mean to the point mm -hmm. where like it's always like there's always a better a better thing to do mm. so so it's never like take a break and celebrate this this achievement it's just like okay you've done this on to the next one. Move on to do that will be better than this. Yeah, that like will make you, you the finished, perfect person. Exactly. You finished like, your undergrad. Now it's like, oh, what about your masters now or whatever? Yeah, it is, right. I'm not even like kidding. That's like literally almost exactly what my parents said. They were like, okay, as soon as you're done with that, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna do your masters immediately? I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like yeah, maybe finishing. I should just fill with an undergrad for a bit. Just finishing my undergrad is so difficult. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. um I would say, like, to some degree, like, that's also added on to the whole sort of, you know, don't don't discuss your feelings. Like, they could be positive feelings, too, and it's also, like, even that is discouraged, right? Yeah. Um, or at least it was for me. I'm, I'm certain there's, there's men that haven't had to do that, where they're like, I actually have succeeded at stuff, and I feel good about it. I just thought that was a, a cool thing that I noticed. I was like, there is a connection there. 
Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it, like, it takes a lot to, I don't know if like you can completely change your mindset because you can't control your thoughts, right? But you can control how you react to those thoughts. And if you acknowledge that they aren't true or that you don't have to hold them as true, then it like frees you a lot to think of it in a more positive light. And obviously it's not that easy as like, think positively, like everything will be better. You won't be stressed. You won't be depressed if you just think positively, right? Stupid thing. I but- absolutely like the worst stigma that's gone around for the past few years is that I just can't believe that that's like a thing that goes around. It's just like, just be happy. Well, it's that's it. it's that's so invalidating. It's like, um, I, I was told those exact words, like, be happy. Like, wow. Like, it's it's hilarious. I but... was told, I was told, uh, don't stress. Like, nothing bad is happening. Blah, blah. It's like, okay, thank you. If I, if you've, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm great. Like, uh, thank you. <laughs> Or have you been told have you been told to shoot for like lower goals? I was told by my academic accommodation person that I should drop down to four courses if I'm so anxious. And I was like, I'm not doing that because medical school will not accept that. And also, like, I don't know, just like if you've been told by people because of how you like stress about something to like shoot for lower goals, like that's the worst. Yeah. I, mean- I think the main point that I wanted to make was basically that it's not as simple as thinking positively, it's more of a whole thing of like shifting your entire mindset and how you react to your thoughts and being kind of objective towards your thoughts, I guess. Noticing what serves you and what doesn't and then letting, trying to let go of what doesn't. And give me a second to think about this. I don't know how to verbalize this, but it's just like a feeling of accepting yourself like as you are right now and knowing that like you may have fucked up in the past you may have done great in the past but like if you focus on like right now just doing what you can at present moment it kind of like frees you up a little bit relieves some of that stress and stops you from like limiting yourself based on like your past actions or your mm-hmm. past experiences yeah i like that's very like uh the living in the moment thing we were talking about yeah, I'm getting really into like my like whole like hippy dippy kind of side as of like the last couple of months. But it's like so it's okay. That's good. A, a topic I wanted to move on to, just in terms of this entire conversation, because I feel like it's uh, it should be brought up. Is I feel like I don't know if you have experienced this or seen this, but I feel like even the entire idea of making a conversation about men's mental health can be seen in a politicized way of like, oh, why are we making, I've heard people say this, like, why are we making space for men's issues? Like men are more privileged than women and what kind of like, like almost like why bring a special attention to it? But it's obvious that like gender norms affect men and women differently. And that's plays into the different experiences of mental health and difficulty seeking help. And so I think that it's, um, like I think it's a good thing that we're able to like just have this conversation because yeah I don't know there's a lot of politics that can get in the way of it but really at the end of the day it's just about like people struggling and like I don't know and pain is pain and pain is pain and and like I don't know for example like over the last I don't know if you guys know this but over the last 60 years in Canada um, men have had a suicide rate three times higher than women and that just 
really screams to me that there's like a crisis um, in terms of like how we are, how we're addressing men's mental address, health, addressing men's mental health, how we're socializing men and reinforcing the idea that not to talk about feelings and, and like not be, be vulnerable and our conception of like masculinity and like that whole thing. So yeah, I was just like, wanted to bring that up because I just think it's important. I was just like wondering if you guys have anything to say on that and like, if you notice it yourself. Yeah, Sam, uh, I haven't heard from you in a minute. Would you like to speak on that? I'm really, really sorry, but I have to pee. Can I come back to this in two seconds? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Do you want to speak on it? <laughs> that's so good. Oh, my God. That's so good. I mean, Please leave it in. Oh, my God. Be like, I kind of want to leave it in. We're going to do it. Okay. I'm going to edit this, and I'm going to leave it in. I'll be oh back. Okay, bye. Okay. Oh, that's hilarious. I love that. Okay. How do you feel about um, so what i'd have to say to that personally i haven't felt like it's been politicized vindictively towards towards men at all mm-hmm. like i haven't like experienced that but that being said like i'm not too politically like active i guess uh I'm trying to uh, educate myself more on that, but uh, it's to the point where I haven't felt any repercussions of the politicization of, like, men's mental health. So, like, I wouldn't say, like, I've had too much of an experience with that. Like, um, if if anything, I would say, like, it's, it's almost just never addressed mm. publicly. Yeah. Which, to me, I would say that's an issue, is that like even in general it's not even specifically like men's mental health but it's almost like mental health as a thing in itself is so is so seen as like a taboo thing almost and like we're getting better at as a society like recognizing that it's a thing but you don't really it's still abnormal for people to address it publicly which uh, like that i think would be the main issue i don't think there's anything specifically like vindictive towards men that i've noticed but maybe i'm just like not as perceptive you know yeah and i think if it was it was more so like um what i meant was more so like in a time where where we're focusing on like feminist issues as well and that kind of thing just just creating the space for also how gender norms negatively affect men as well right because we've had like me and valeria have had conversations about you know women in stem and some of the struggles that you know that might be unique to women that we might face because of socialization and that kind of thing but just acknowledging that the same thing does hold for for men like it, it's a different experience but that's i guess just like was my my uh point <laughs> with things that aren't especially feminist like there's things about gender inequality that directly benefit me such as men paying for like a date or being treated in a certain way or I find that it's easier to like, <laughs> this is this is a stupid little example, but when I used to bartend, it would be really easy for me to get good tips because all I had to do was like, kind of like just flirt a little bit with somebody and then I'd get money. I, li- I directly profited off, profited off of it. Mm-hmm. And it's affected me negatively as well. So I think the same would 
ring true for men in that, yes, it can affect them positively and giving them greater positions of power or things of that nature, but there's negative sides to it as well. There's nothing that's going to be like completely positive about such a, a society that enforces these kinds of ideals. I mean, absolutely. Like, like everyone in their respect has certain privileges, right? Like, like everyone is born into certain privileges just from the way that we are born in and the way that like that we are raised. Like, I have the privileges of being a straight man, right? Those those privileges apply to me, but like, even just the idea of it that relating to mental health is almost just like, like that's kind of repulsive to me. That's just I just don't understand why. It should it should even like be conceived as a privilege um, to like address the mental health or like how politicizing it is kind of just like how do I say this correctly like politicizing it in itself is such a is such a it's 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 breaking the whole point right yeah it's, yeah. it's yes. like it shouldn't it shouldn't need to be a political it's issue at all already it's so just hard. a human issue it's a human issue it's already so hard to bring up mental health and then to have to like to once you make it harder for people to speak about things because they're more scared of saying the wrong thing or they're scared of opening up like i feel like that just makes the entire issue a lot worse and that's why especially with mental health like i've always encouraged pretty open conversation because yeah, it's already already so hard to speak up, you know, about anything for anybody. So let alone like being put in that position. So absolutely, yeah. Is um, Sam back yet? I have no idea. I just didn't want to interrupt. No worries. Okay. Sam. I thought so. Uh, what do you have to say on the subject? I was I was basically just I guess I was bringing up the higher suicide rates for men and just like this whole idea of like how we don't teach men um, that it's okay to be open about their emotions or even teach them how to do that. And like, I don't know, just I see it as kind of a mental health crisis in a sense that is just like needs to be addressed. I just wonder if you see it that way or like how you see it from your perspective and your experiences and with other people and stuff. Uh, I'd say it's, I think it's a, definitely a crisis like i have a friend that killed himself a couple years ago and then i know a couple people that have attempted it i don't like a three to one difference i and like almost all of my friends have had at least one person kill themselves that they know and it's just like yeah it's i think just suicide in general for both men and women is a bit like is a huge crisis mm -hmm. It's I think it's something we should look at for a three to one difference, but I think we really need to focus on mental health because I think the suicide numbers for both men and women are pretty scary. Yeah, they're way too high. And I think like we're failing as a society in general in like addressing like addressing it and helping people in the right way, right? And like having gender norms that make it harder for you to open up and that get in the way of how you cope with mental health just it sucks you know for lack of a better word it's just stupid it's, it's, yeah yeah i think also i think it's just something that really needs to be studied because like the gender norms i'm sure is part of it but a three to one just because mm -hmm. you don't hear There's, a ton i don't know it's just 
I, I don't know if it's that simple that it's because. Oh, I don't think so either. I think me and Marina were talking about this, but it's uh, likely physiological as well because higher amount of testosterone can lead to a greater amount of impulsivity. Like studies have found that. And, and like risk taking. And then and there's also the factor of like, they've done studies where they found that the, the ways in which people attempt suicide might differ, like the aggressiveness of the measure the person might take, which might lead to more successful suicide attempts. So there's a lot of factors like involved, but in general, I guess the reason, the reason why I bring up, um, the reason why I bring up suicide, I think is just because I think people some would like to brush mental health under the rug sometimes, but it's, it's a, it is a life or death issue as well. Like this is something that people, it can get really bad. And I think that it's just more so about like how much attention we should be bringing to mental health and like anyone can get there. Like anyone can, any gender is susceptible to it. And I just, yeah. And like and studies have found that actually talking about suicide makes like people think that talking about suicide might trigger people and it may and like that's why we'll put a content warning at the beginning of this podcast but for some people it can actually help them because then they might be able to to open up about having had that experience or that sort of those thoughts right so yeah mm -hmm. jay you haven't spoken in a in a second do you want to add anything no i mean i spoke i added to this um when we initially spoke when <laughs> when sam went to the bathroom so uh I don't have anything to like contribute at this stage, if I'm honest. I don't know. Marina, should we wrap it up? Because it has yeah. been an hour. Yeah. Um, I feel bad that we're ending on such a sad note, but uh, <laughs> like, not from positive. to suicide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know. Should we share some things? Some resources? Resources and like things that we found have helped us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did that in the other podcast at the end as well. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think bring it maybe up on a happier note yeah okay, exactly yeah. and we'll put some we'll put resources in the uh description too yeah, absolutely yeah so is there anything that has like helped you out or any resources that you found useful um or have heard about i i went to counseling and i've been slowly working on like mindfulness training mm -hmm. um because they they recommended i work on that like if anything like that might be the best resource I have to offer. Like everything else that I do is mainly just like sort of self-care and uh, and speaking to my, my network of support and stuff like that. So I would just say like, talk to people, talk to your friends, a burden shared is a burden halved. Mm. Um, oh, that's cute. That yeah. <laughs> and was the council you talked to through university? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I went to like my, uh, my center for like student counseling and I think it's called counseling and disability services. I can't remember, but the, yeah. uh, the counseling center at York and, uh, I had like a one hour session where I just talked about everything that was going on and they, they gave me like a bunch of sites to, to go to and, um, work on my, on my mindfulness and like techniques to like keep myself in the moment as opposed to worrying about the next moment. Yeah, that's really great. So you had a good experience with that. Yeah, absolutely. Like I would highly, I would highly recommend it to anyone that's considering it. There's virtually no uh, no downfall to talking about your problems, right? And it's okay. very confidential too. And like you know, absolutely. Yeah, it's all it's all going to be confidential, and 
I like at least my experience was uh, it was very supportive and understanding and uh, I, I don't know I felt cared for when I went in so I'm I would glad you had a good experience that's awesome yeah Sam, Sam what about Sam? you what what has helped you or uh, people you know or like any resources that are useful one thing before I answer that uh, what is mindfulness training Jay so mindfulness training they uh, like the reason I was uh, I was recommended to try that was because like what I was doing was essentially if I was doing something I would be not focused on doing my best at that thing but instead worrying about specifically like other things that I needed to get done instead right like it would be like I'm doing an essay right now but I'm worrying about the assignment that's due in two weeks or something like that and um, because of that, it, it led to a lot of anxiety because it just sort of like got me overwhelmed and stuff to the point where I was just like, I have no time to do anything because I have so many things going on. And I'd be like, I'd start doing a thing and then I have, but I have to do these three other things. So I started doing those three other things and then stuff like that. So they uh, said like to try mindfulness, which would, which would be kind of the practice of being in the moment and, and focusing specifically to stay in the moment and and focusing on whatever task or thing you're doing right now um as opposed to worrying about future things or past things or just like things that aren't what you are currently focusing on right so it's just like being in your head and being in control of what you're what you're like focusing on at the time and there's a lot of like mindfulness resources online and it's and it's even just with like you can do mindful eating you can like go sit in the garden and just like pay attention to all of the like sounds and the sensations like even if you can only do it for a couple of minutes like you practice it and over time you you can sustain it for longer absolutely yeah exactly like even for me it's it's i'm sorry this is going on way longer than uh it should have gone on i keep like oh no don't be having more stuff to stay but it, it's to the point where, like, I can't, like, sit by myself in my room and and just, like, be alone with my thoughts because it, just, had, it mm. just leads me to, like, worry. Mm. Like I had how, a lot of issues with that in the beginning of quarantine. Yeah, absolutely. Like, quarantine doesn't help at all with it, right? Um, that's one, one of the reasons that they asked me to, like, work on that was because, like, even to this day, like, I could be, like, having a conversation with someone and and if there's a lull, I'm like in a panic because I'm like I can't be sitting in silence. You know what I mean? Like I don't know why, but it's sort of a like a scary concept. So that's why they like I've been tasked with working on uh, on on my mindfulness so I can just be with myself and in my head and not panic and uh, and like worry and stuff like that. Yeah. Thank you, Jade. I'm gonna actually look into that. I think that might. Yeah, look at that. Might Sam, what are your, some of uh, what are some of your little tips and tricks? I don't know. Like mostly, just like when your friends talk to you. I think that's been the biggest help. I just want to encourage people to reach out to their friends. One like one of the biggest things for me was when people reached out to me, even if like I would like avoid the conversation or push it away. I think that still meant a lot. And I just want to encourage people that. Your friends might not want to talk about their feelings, but you should still try. 
Like let them know that you're there, that they can. Yeah. And don't get too discouraged if they don't want to. Mm -hmm. You know? I heard someone said, like, always ask someone how they are twice. Because the first time they'll always say good. And the second time you might get an answer, you know? I love that. I like that. That's very true. <laughs> okay. I think we've ended it on a good note. Yeah, a little bit more positive. Yeah, that's lovely. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, guys. I know it's an intimidating conversation to have, but it was really awesome talking to you. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for oh, having me at all. It was, uh, it was nice. It was fun. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll have you on again. Anyway, work with your mental health. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. All right. Goodbye. Have a great day, okay? Bye. All right. You guys as well. Bye.